after a surreal year in comedy, the biggest festival on the planet is finally back, baby! Our producer, Vince Tedesco, hits the streets of Montreal, talking to the who's who at JFL and covering the long-awaited return of the most sought-after destination in Canadian comedy. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Radio 640 Toronto, and of course, coast to coast, Canada wide on the Global News Radio Network, even in La Belle Provence, Quebec, Montreal, where our own producer Vince Tedesco just came back from this year's, I'm going to say, soft reopen of the world famous Just for Last Festival. Which, uh, Vince, I know we were, we've been kind of teeing it up because last year, of course, as we know, during COVID, the, the festival went you know completely digital. Everything was all online uh, this year, but they did sort of a hybrid to sort of slowly bring things back. I mean, right now, things are reopening. Festivals are starting again. Clubs are slowly reopening. But now there's, uh, you know, the Delta variant is coming. So who knows? Which sounds like a horrible indie band, by the way. The Delta variants? Yeah. The Delta Catch variants. Your album. It'd be like a 12-piece alt folk, you know. And yet to be recorded album. Yeah, JFL, I mean, it was last weekend was the big kind of, usually the last weekend in July, they really whoop it up um yeah border restrictions obviously limited that um american comics uh did their those quote-unquote hybrid shows they had somewhat uh shows in la and new york and then in montreal uh some shows as well uh was able to see a couple of the performances uh tapings for the crave network shout out to media because you know they need love and support um but yeah so i've got uh, i got to see a lot of tapings for those i saw the new faces show which is an iconic show under the jfl label that was great uh 10 or 12 amazing young talents all coming up all who we've had on this show i was gonna say usually it's uh well i mean of course we do go coast to coast we go all over the u.s and stuff like that but of course yes being based in toronto uh, so many so many great performers every time someone came up like oh had them on the show oh had them on the show and and Um, it's like uh it's nice when you do get to see by the way a cross section on there of every sort of comedy hub in canada because a lot of the times it is just like toronto goes to montreal but it is nice to see Here's a sampling of this Vancouver scene. Here's some comics from like 604 Records and all the stuff that's happened out there. Here's, like you said, Travis Lindsay. We got a Halifax or we got some comics from the Maritimes. So it's nice when we do see that, you know, some Albertans, that cross section of what's happening across Canada too. Very much so. Prominent all throughout. I mean, there was representation of every uh, province in this country, every, every nick and cranny and, and corner in this country. Uh, it was great that the Canadian talent, all, they all, all of them got to shine uh, over the festival in Montreal this weekend. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the big, huge hoopla with all the American attractions. So, um, yes, a lot of Toronto comics or comics who are, have residents in Toronto made their way to Montreal. But I mean, in my time and in being in Montreal, you want to see that the best that province has to offer. So I was able to sit down with a couple of, you know, icons of Montreal comedy, 
And, uh, we, you know, we kind of did a little catch up. How you doing? How things been? And a little uh, interview process with them. Because, I mean, you know, if if you go to Italy, you got to have pasta, right? So, I mean, if you go to Montreal, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to Montreal you got to feel like, you know, a Montrealer. you got to walk the streets like I did. you got to meet and greet and chat with the people. You gotta get drunk like they do, and you gotta see some great live comedy like I did. So, and which, by the way, speaking of, we have, of course, uh, Derek Sagan. You talked to him in Montreal; he'll be on the show. Because um, last time we talked to Derek was was you know really in the midst of the pandemic when nothing was reopening and all that stuff. And for him, as obviously, I mean, JFL in Montreal is the biggest comedy event on the map for most comics across North America, really, certainly here in Canada. But for Derek Sagan, somebody who did come up in that, you know, how Quebec infamously does have its own star system because it's a cultural thing. Like they have their own trade papers. People go to the theater and watch Quebec movies. So Quebecois comics do achieve this sort of level of home celebrity that the rest of Canada, Anglo-Canada, because we are competing with the States next door, we really have never sort of figured that out. And I think this year's JFL really kind of pointed to that because when you don't have i you know when you don't have that border open and you don't have that american influence on the festival it makes it a much different animal which i think hey maybe uh, obviously we're forced into that this year but maybe it's healthy for us too because it sort of lets us sort of get reacquainted with our own talent in this country right yeah rightfully so i mean it, it, it's sad that Canada doesn't have its own star star system, like you said. I mean, it's it's more prominent, obviously, in Quebec. But I mean, that's what I'm hoping happens with more festivals like this that are more geared toward Canadian talent. Let them shine, Canada. Uh, find like, out who these people are, man. Get out, support right. Canadian comedy. And like we said, it's a uh, you know a soft reopen. So next yeah. year maybe it'll be the bigger you know all encompassing thing that it is. But it is nice to see it coming back. And for them to at least do, you know, a hybrid of some live shows. And uh, we'll get there. You Unless got it. the Delta variant gets us all. But anyways. Yeah, let's hear from Derek Sagan right off the top. I mean, I love him. So first up, we have Derek Sagan. Montreal. Such a Club. funny guy. Oh, my God. I could, I could sit there and talk for hours with Derek. But, I mean, here's kind of the best up with Derek. Derek Sagan. Derek, how we doing? Doing great. Thank you, Vince. Um, festival, how's it been treating you this year? A little different. Uh, well, yeah, different for sure. That, uh, but at least there is one. It's happening. There's live shows happening. Just people are not as close together as we're used to them being. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I kind of wanted to start it off with. As a native Montreal, native Quebecer here, how important was it to have Just for Us back in action this year? Well. Uh, so, so important. I mean, for not just as a Montreal, but for Canadians too. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, of course, you know, Just for Laughs has adapted and they, they, they had to, to adjust to the current situation. So they're doing this hybrid festival where there's shows being taped and stuff in L.A. and in New York, uh, which is great to make it happen, to still get the names in there, Just for Laugh. As a Canadian performer, I suppose one of my... my fears is that it goes too well in New York and LA and they're like oh, we should totally just have part of our festival in New York and LA <laughs> so that's a worry so hopefully uh, the grant money will keep them here in Montreal when, when things open back up well that's the thing coming back into the city and walking the streets obviously there's a different vibe the, the signage isn't up and the advertisements aren't up as the years pass the people that are flood the streets you know the comedy fans aren't there in the years past. It's amazing that like a Black Lives Festival can get like 400,000 people marching out or the Montreal Canadiens can, you know, you could storm the streets on a great playoff run. But when it comes to comedy lovers, 
I don't know why. Uh, well, it's a, it's a, that's a good point. It, yeah. the, even during the playoffs, there was more people congregate outside the, the arena than there were allowed in the arena. You know oh, what I mean? Did you see some of those shots? Those poor people. I, was, I went down there. That's for when we won that first series. I went down there and I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And the tear gas was already out and everything. And <laughs> anyway, that's, that's not where... Oh, this they, is, they actually showed shots of like at the Bell Center, at La Cage, at the, um, the patio. They had like three or four tables all... Socially distance right. there, and then literally behind eight thousand people. 8, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get for just for laughs that didn't happen because I think the limited number of show that they were doing, uh, they didn't really sell tickets. I know on the French side they were they were selling tickets because they still did the uh, the TV taping, the galas Correct. that were always happening. Going to Montreal, Montreal didn't do any of those this year, um, but uh, I mean the the English side didn't do any this year. But I don't think the English side actually sold any tickets. I think they were just giving the tickets away, like by invitation or by newsletter sign-up stuff. Well, well, the thing, I mean, the, there is a star quality that a lot of Americans do come into Montreal and they absorb it like it's like, like you know a bird out of or a fish out of water. Essentially, because yeah. they just take it all in. They're in love with the city. They love the kind of European culture that isn't prominent this year. So it's mostly focused on Canadian comics. But from from the French side, where an entirely different star system is, is sort of set and evolved over the years, and it's it's very prominent in Quebec culture. I mean, yeah. that that hasn't changed at all. I mean, or has it? Well, it has in that again. There's socially. So the the I did the gala last Thursday uh, in French, and the uh, Place des Arts, the Théâtre Maisonneuve, it holds 3,500 people, but they only put. 700 in because the social distance hey I have to give it to those 700 people they really they try to make themselves triple and quadruple uh, so but it's still different like to look out at a 3500 seat theater that's packed versus and you know in your mind that it can be yeah, yeah like so even so the English shows that I've been doing over the last few days uh, I kept everywhere we went we were told it's sold out it's sold out but like sold out for instance for the the album taping the JFL originals at uh, the Comedy Nest the Comedy Nest is a 150 seat venue mm -hmm. that I play you know twice a year um, they tell you oh it's sold out we did great it's sold out and we get there and it's 50 people and I'm like it, it's subconscious but you look out there and I feel like a failure I'm like I'm on this show and only 50 see yeah because in your eyes that looks only like but the people have, but the people have been great we'll be right back with more Derek Sagan at JFL Montreal right here on Inside Jokes hi my name's Graham Kay and you are listening to Inside Jokes, 640. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! We're talking all things JFL Montreal, brought to you, of course, by, and we'll do it French-Canadian style, Akim Hoptical, helping you on hecklers in the crowd since 1967. <laughs> oh, God, I miss Montreal. I love it so much. You know, it shouldn't be a festival that you have to go to once a year. It's, I mean, let's go to Montreal, Dean. I'm going there just to eat that goddamn Wagyu burger and bone marrow that you posted. That's, I don't care about the festival. I'm going there for that. Yes, for those who follow me on Instagram, I had the best burger in my life in Montreal. Shout out to QDC Burger. 
and um, and Myland. It was amazing. But uh, back with the festival, we're talking with Derek Sagan. One of the more iconic venues for any JFL festival is Club Soda. Um, let's pick it up with Derek as he was he performed and there, but he's got like a a funny diving how you shouldn't mosh pit these days at Club Soda. And as we said before, I mean, one of the true sort of, you know, rock stars in Quebec comedy. There's really like the Derek Sagans, the Sugar Sammies, the Mike Wards. These are all sort of the kingpins of Quebec comedy. So more Derek right here at JFL Montreal, baby. Uh, we, we did Club Soda, which is online as of today. Uh, super weird because Club Soda, it's like a floor. It's like a concert venue, right? So sure, yeah. there's that big floor area where normally they pack in like 50 cocktail table and they'll jam four or five people around each one. This one, there was only two person per table and there was two meter in every direction from it. So there was maybe eight table right down right. there in the mosh pit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like just... it's not a good time to stage dive. Put it that way. COVID has really killed the opportunities to stage <laughs> dive. <laughs> you will fall flat on your Looking ass. Looking on the positive side of it though, how much of a rush was it? I mean, you've been doing live comedy now for a while to get back up on stage to be either rehashing some old jokes that or just working on the new stuff that kind of you've been in the lockdown with so kind of breaking out the, the new material how's it been man man basically you're just doing stand-up with pants and shoes on has been very <laughs> exciting right the whole pandemic was zoom so it was like the from the chest up it was uh, great to you know for the first show i was like bungy i'm pulling at my friggin' crotch and see, wow, <laughs> pants are really restricting <laughs> but uh no it's being back in front of a live audience reminded me how even though i'm i you know i i uh weathered the storm by doing those online things during the pen the lockdown uh there's nothing like being with a group of people live yeah. and uh and just exchanging energies you know it's like yeah. i mean even doing this interview right now i mean we could have did this over zoom but there's, yeah there's something about sitting down and chit-chatting and having a conversation with a person for sure you just can't get for sure and that's i've always said it before and i'll say it again the comedians drive the energy in a room and they literally hold it in the palm of their hand it's reminded me too like as not just because i'm a comedian but just how magical and pure of a an art form and i'm doing like air quote of art course. form it's, it seems weird to call dick jokes an art form but uh <laughs> but what a pure performance art it is as a comedian as a, the creative content is constantly spinning in your brain have you had to sort of adapt any material for for this kind of resurgence of comedy you gotta like limit your COVID jokes like it people are just because we've all lived through the same experience you don't want to come at it with the same sort right. of jokes that everybody else might be coming at it because we're all got our our, our outlook on what happened but you and, have to kind of censor yourself with that a bit like hey, and you can and this. you can imagine how like tv producers and content producers that when we're capturing either recording you know just audio or video they're always trying to keep it uh, let's not be too topical you know like in six months everyone will not even remember covid i'm like it's malad i'm just like <laughs> we can still do 9-11 jokes people get what we're talking about it's the kind of thing you don't forget yeah, it just doesn't go away that easy so uh, for me no uh, the and just for laughs has been so cool this year they're just so happy that comedy's back too they're, they're not really sort of trying to limit us to anything like i said well, do you want us to stay away from covid jokes like i had one set that was basically all kind of my experience with what it was and they're like yeah if, if you want to do that do that even on the french gala it's mostly all like what wearing a mask was like how does it to spend 15 months straight with my stupid kid uh, you know. <laughs> uh so 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 far no i mean for me organically i'm gonna get sick of talking about it monday so i 
like the show we did uh, at Club Soda, it was sort of about the, the, the pandemic, but but what I was doing to pass the time and ends up being a whole other thing that I ended up doing a lot of home renovations. So people that followed me on Instagram right. knew already that that's what I was doing because that's basically what I was doing for the last year. How much more adaptable now has comedy become because I guess the last 15, 16 months everybody's kind of been forced to be online so people have, you know, popped up as a comedian even though, I mean, hey, let's just try it out, let's see what it right. is. But then, you know, now that it's over and again, as we discussed, the, there is no energy like a comedy club or getting back up on stage. How many of those people are going to get washed out, you think? Man, I think it's... Uh, um, not quite that. I think the the pandemic really like imagine you were you know three four five months into your comedy career when this started. Right. Say how do you adapt? Like you were just starting to get your feet under you. I have to say I'm I know and I'm I'm grateful. I know that I I weathered the storm that I was able to, I I was able to make a living with with you know jokes being illegal in public. I was still somehow squeaked out enough money to live. Uh, I know that wasn't the case for a lot of my peers and my colleagues and my friends that uh, either they, they, the opportunities didn't present themselves or they tried doing that online comedy and it just wasn't for them. It's like, because it's kind of, on s'entend déjà, when you do a, a corporate show, Correct. you feel, it's a little, you feel a little bit like a sellout, prostitute, whatever it's okay. a, like, <laughs> don't talk about this, don't talk about that, don't swear, don't do, make sure you say that the president is handsome, and and I'm like, alright, you'll pay me $10,000, I can do all those things, that's fine. <laughs> but some comics just won't do it, it's gross, they can't. I I have children to feed, so I will sell my soul to anybody for anything. <laughs> you need, uh, like, hemorrhoid cream spokesperson, <laughs> I'm your guy. How much have you adapted? I mean, the, the podcast is still going strong. No, we st- I stopped the podcast. Oh, you stopped the yeah, podcast? Yeah, I did. Uh, Abdul, who is my partner in the podcast, uh, the podcast Bacon No Bacon, uh, is going to continue on with it. And maybe we'll revisit down the road. But we just, the pandemic was like we never saw each other face to face. Like we're saying, yeah, this is different than if we were to do a phone interview. Exactly. You know? Uh, so as as I think that we decided together that you know uh, at the risk of uh, uh, jeopardizing our friendship, maybe we shouldn't you know podcast together. It was getting because we you know we both ended up going through the pandemic individually, and then I have my views on things, and then yes, and they when we don't really talk about it, we get on the podcast and realize I hate what you think. You know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah, for the sake of our friendship, we're going to not do the podcast for a little while at least. He's going to continue on with it. And, uh, on a break, as they say. And I'm looking at uh, starting another another podcast um, with just a different format and more on my own interviewing you know, entertainers and pe- so like we're, people. We're now. Kind of what we're doing right now. Do you think that's a, a nice transition for every comic to get into that kind of a podcast? Because essentially, it's it's like your own little open mic show. Right. You can try out your new material and see if your guests or your audience kind of fits more, with it. I look at it more like a, uh, a, a verbal or an audio Twitter feed, right? You just get to complain about whatever you want in audio format, and maybe seven people will listen to you. I was I was sh- I was shocked to see there's 28 million podcasts or something like that. Yeah, it's insane. Like, that is. Crazy. And a lot of those are are probably comics too, trying to get up there. You know, but there's there's there. podcasts for everything, so I mean I don't pretend it's a very that niche market. if I start a podcast, I don't pretend that it's going to be successful or anything. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's one, it's a another thing. You know, 
for me, I don't do anything that I don't want to do. So when I start doing it, it'll be because I'm interested, I have something to say, and I want to share some things that I know about other people. Like the pod, I already have the name for it. It's going to be called BrokenEggses.com. It's about people, just people that are broken. People, what's wrong? Like everyone's broken in some way. What's wrong with people? And we'll discuss what these things that are wrong with. So it'll be kind of a therapy for the, me and the person in the podcast. And yeah. I'm calling it BrokenEggses.com because I tried to buy BrokenEggs.com just to show how broken I am. I was <laughs> drunk when I bought it and I put an extra S so I bought BrokenEggses.com instead. <laughs> so I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to use that <laughs> to exemplify to just how, you know, how another one of my faults has made me purchase the wrong <laughs> domain name. <laughs> broken Eggses. Once again, the legendary Derek Sagan at JFL Montreal. Uh, of course, Vince, it was good to hear from Derek about what this means for that festival to return. And yeah, it's a bit, it's a soft open. That's what we've been saying. It's a soft open, but still, it's such a huge linchpin in Canadian comedy. And of course, I'm sure for a Quebecois comic like Derek, it's hugely symbolic to finally see it come back this year. Hopefully next yeah, year, I mean, bigger and better. Yeah, I, I love the guy. He's awesome. Like I said, I could sit there and talk for hours with him, but he, he touched on a lot of points. I mean, there is the pros and cons of everything. You got to deal with what, uh, you know, the cards that were dealt to you. But from from what they were able to do, they put on a great festival and again, showcasing great, great Canadian talent. Switching gears now, though, Vince, you also sat down with a comic who we've mentioned her on the show before. She is sort of notorious among other comics. She's sort of this comics comic who a lot of stand-ups over the years have cited her as an influence. Uh, was always a big part of the JFL Festival as well. Heidi Foss, who you sat down with her in Montreal and picked her brain on some of this stuff. And again, what this means for all of these live festivals to finally sort of bounce back after COVID. Focusing more on you and your, your decorated comedy career, I mean, there's many establishments, and and I always like to see you get more of one of the quintessential comics in, com in comedy. You're more of a comics comic, yeah. and Thank I you. mean, I, I, I always kind of wondered what it was like to be sort of, uh, how to stay how to stay popular amongst your peers, let's say, to have that, that push and support from all your peers. Uh, well, I think, I mean, thank you for that. I mean, hopefully I, I have that surprise. I think I do. I think we all love, we, there's a real family here in Montreal of comics that just, uh, we, and I, we, I so miss them through the pandemic. And then we've been working together nonstop for the last three weeks. And it's just so nice to see everybody. But you see the young up and comers that, you know, I, I was, I stood at the back of the room and I watched every single amateur uh, go up and I was as supportive to them as they they are to me you know because you want them I you know from the beginning of my career I've seen people you know do badly and and come through that and be like really solid if not excellent comics now yeah exactly and so it doesn't it's sort of you, you watch them and you see a little spark here and there or you see clearly this kid's going to be you know, a writer for, you know, whoever, you know, just an incredible talent, you know. Um, Do you see yourself as an influence to other comics? I hope so. Um, I, I, yeah. I always thought so. I mean, oh, thank you. I, yeah, I think I, I, think I have a, a joke style that, that is certainly respected, and I think that people... You know, you know, I, I think I've heard that, that that in sort of comedy workshops that my style is like when you see Heidi Foss, like just check out how she writes her jokes and whatnot. Right. You know, and uh, it's very set up punch, very misdirection, very you know, um, less so now. Um, uh, you know, as I, you know, as I sort of want the audience to just get pure little 
further inside of my life, you know, just a tiny bit, you know what I mean? So it's not always this, this uh, jokey, 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 jokey stuff, which, I, which still I love. But if you're doing a longer set, um, you sort of, you need them to, you need them to be more invested a little bit. And sometimes after, you know, 35 minutes of joke, 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 the audience needs to know a little bit more about you, you know? And so you just, you just open up a little bit more. The jokes are a tiny bit longer, a little bit more narrative. And you, you let them inside who you are. And then, and then sharp right turn. How much do you find yourself adapting now with kind of the shift in comedy and now comedy, I mean, the definition of it's been enhanced so many different ways. There's content creators, there's sketch artists, there's the improv sort of second city vibe. There's stand-ups, but then within stand-ups, there's storytellers, there's, you know, observational right. comedy. How do you find yourself adapting? I mean, you... I don't, I don't. Yeah, you got to do what you what makes you laugh. Like I, I always sort of, uh, I always sort of think of, you know, when I write a joke, if I'm sitting in the audience, would this joke make me laugh? And whether or not it does, you know, uh, it, it, whether or not it does well on stage, if it doesn't really make me laugh, then, you know, I don't really like doing it. Do you know what I mean? It has to sort of make me laugh, and so whatever that, um, whatever that translates to. So, you know, there's. It's interesting because when you do stand up in Canada, it, I, I really feel like it's it's very set up punch. And then you go down to the states, and it's very character driven. You know, they'll get up on stage and they'll talk monologue about themselves. You know, narrative about themselves, storytell about themselves. And then I get up and I do like, you know, you know, a hundred jokes in forty minutes. You know, or whatever. And so it's it's much more of an interesting. It's. It's hard to say, you know, and then sometimes they'll come up here and not do as well because the audience is so used to that, that joke, jokey joke style. And we'll be back with more Heidi Foss and again, why she is such an influence on upcoming comics and of course her writing style, which a lot of our listeners may not know. She also uh, is an award-winning writer for, among other things, This Hour Has 22 Minutes, another institution in Canadian comedy. We'll be back with more Vince and Heidi at JFL Montreal. Hi, my name is Andrew Johnston. You're listening to Inside Jokes. Is it on 640? We're back, baby, with more Heidi Foss at JFL Montreal, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Akeem Hoptical. Your eyes can have it all. Helping you see the We're gonna get shut down. We're gonna get shut down. <laughs> Helping you see the Eckler in the crowd. Much more better. Well, I mean, if one thing I can say over the last 16 months is that comedians are resilient, they'll find a way to kind of get out there and, and, and roll with the punches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, as we've said before, and I'll say it again, you can't beat a live crowd. Um, no. Even doing this, as we could have done yeah. Zoom right yeah. now, we could have done an interview. Yeah. But there's an energy, even with the two of us sitting here, just having this chit chat and a talk and a power. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's being recorded or exactly, not. But yeah. I mean, there's an energy that you bring and there's an energy that you have. And if you happen to come across a comedy club and you see your name on the marquee, yeah. check out Heidi Floss, check out uh, check her out live. Um, it's it's. There's no other greater feeling than catching live energy of a comedy club, and it's right in the palm of your hand. So 
I thank you for your time. Yeah, today. thank you so much. And uh, yeah, yeah. Shout out once again to the very influential Heidi Foss right there at JFL Montreal. Now we're going to switch gears and go over to a Montreal born and bred comic who has been making his way on the New York stand-up scene and find out how exactly those two worlds overlap and how competitive is it. We're going to talk to Daniel Torado right here at JFL Montreal. We are here with Montreal bred but New York certified Daniel Torado. Daniel, how are we doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. So How's happy the special to be here. treating you? Uh, a little different, obviously, than the past yeah, years. Yeah, of course it's different, but it's, uh, I've been having so much fun, you know, it's been, it's kind of like uh, turning the page to something more optimistic, and I feel like after what we've all been through, uh, it's exciting to just see an audience to be, even if it's outdoors, and outdoor shows are tricky, but um, regardless of that, you know, there's an audience, people are going out, people are excited to see comedy. Uh, playing at the Comedy Nest, doing the festivals, it's it's cool. It's you know it beats not doing anything. Yeah, uh, but being back in Montreal, I mean, obviously it brings back a lot of uh, the old stomping grounds where you kind of cut your chops and stuff like that. But now, based out of New York, yeah, how different are the two kind of cities? Because I mean, they're both comedy. Uh, they both had this sort of like mecca of comedy as in this festival for Montreal but right. then stand up in its truest form with so many iconic stages in New York to hone yeah. your craft what are the differences or kind of contrast to compare pros and cons however which way you want to look at it about a New York audience versus a Montreal audience well I definitely like you said I got my start in Montreal and I was so lucky to be surrounded by some real Montreal legends, you know, from, you know, Elias to David Pride to Heidi Foss. And to learn from them and grow in that environment was a blessing. But I definitely honed my material and my style in New York. You know, I've been there for 11 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And I only did comedy, stand-up comedy here for about, I'd say, four years. So, um, and it's completely different. They're both bubbles, you know, Montreal's a smaller bubble and New York is bigger, but it's still a bubble, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and here it's cool because I have access to like, I started doing French comedy a few years ago with, um, I started a while ago back in 2010 and I just kind of stopped because I moved to New York and I, just, I gave it a shot for six months. And the festival invited me, and uh, then I bumped into Mike Ward, yeah, uh, who opened up uh, Le Bordel in, back in 2017, I think. And he was in New York. We're just hanging out. I was like, "Hey, I just opened up a comedy club. It's it's incredible. You should come play." And I was like, "I haven't done French in like seven years." So I was like, "Just come by whenever you're if you're there for the holidays." So I went. And had a blast. We'll be right back with more Daniel Torado from JFL Montreal right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name's Aaron Berg, and you're so lucky to be listening to me on Inside Jokes on 640. Wait. up this year at JFL Montreal with more Daniel Torado and all the differences between being Montreal born and bred and then cutting your teeth in New York stand-up. He also has got a great story about Pablo Francisco, man. You gotta hear this. Making people laugh was always part of my life, you know, with friends and school, with my family. 
Um, you know, one guy that really pops out is uh, Pablo Francisco. Yes. Pa Pablo Francisco, he he's like a cartoon. You know, he there's no depth in his you know writing. He won't make you reflect on life, but he just you you zone out and you're fully entertained. And uh, I have a really soft spot for him because he's the first guy to get me to work at Gotham Comedy Club hey. in New York. I met him at the Punchline in Atlanta, right. and I just moved to New York. And I I just I had a show in Atlanta. And I went to see his show, he was headlining, and after his show, I said, hey, uh, Pablo, I just moved to New York. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'm going to be there in five months, no way. And it was the first time I met him, and I had nothing to lose. You know, I love, there's that line from Bob Dylan, uh, like a Rolling Stone, when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. There you go. And I was like, I was like, Pablo, I know this sounds crazy, you just met me. He's like signing autographs, selling CDs You're talking about a meet and greet? Yeah, yeah, it was literally a yeah. meet and greet. And I said, listen, is there any way I could do like five minute set when you're headlining at, at Gotham Comedy? Like something I would never ask today. Right. But I was like so desperate to, you know, get you my foot hustle. You gotta get it right. you can, right? Yeah. And then he takes his DVD, he writes me his phone number. On the back of the DVD? Yeah, he gives me the DVD and he says, call me, I'll put you up. I was like, Pablo, you're not going to remember this. This is in five months. <laughs> He's like, you meet so many people in comics. I'm telling you, I promise you, you will not. He says, call me, call me. So I did. So three weeks before he comes to New York, I call him, didn't answer. Left him a message, didn't answer. I called him 10 days before, he didn't answer. A few days before. And, uh, and I get nothing from him. So I show up at the club. And it's the first time I go to Gotham Comedy Club. Or the second time. And I'm, you know, a young comedian from right. Montreal. I'm very intimidated. It's a very intimidating room, Gotham. Like, all the door guys are like mobsters. They're, they're, they're amazing <laughs> people, but they're all like ex-cops, and they look so badass. Uh, but they're, they're truly amazing. So I'm there, and I'm like, uh, is there a green room? Is Pablo here? And he's like, is he expecting you? He's like, well, uh, kind of, sort of, I don't know. Uh, so he makes, so I meet Pablo, and I say, hey, Pablo, man, we met five months ago in Atlanta, and he said I could do like a five minute set I, you, and he's like oh my god I just gave a I gave a five minute set to another comic he said let me see what I can do and this was like Thursday or Friday night right so Thursday I don't hear back from well I don't hear back from him on Friday and Saturday I don't hear you know he has three shows he has like one last show on, on Sunday so by Saturday night I'm like it's over and I get a text message from him at 1am on Saturday night and, hey. he, and he just texts me, come tomorrow. And that was like one of the most amazing texts I got from this this stranger, this guy who didn't owe, like I didn't... He, yeah, he didn't owe you anything. No, nothing. He didn't owe me anything at all. He just wanted to help. And I performed that night, did a five-minute set, Booker saw me, and I've been working the club ever since. Like he got me into that club. So much so you've become like a regular yeah, there? Like, yeah, oh, hey, yeah. Damn, man, shout out to Papa Francisco. Yeah, and That's... you know, there's so many comics that I know well, and you know, they wouldn't, they get so tied into the, the New York game of like, I don't want to lose my spots, so I don't want to help another comic out. And this guy just didn't know me, and he helped me. Wow. So 
I'm, I'm, I'll always, always, always have like a, a really soft spot for that guy. One final question before we head out. Yeah. Uh, and it's a tough one. Tell so shoot. Get, get ready, buddy, okay? Uh, who's got the better bagels? Uh, uh, Montreal. You're gonna or, hate me for this, man. Or New York. I'm gonna hate you. I'm a Toronto kid. Well, well, every whoever's listening from Montreal, I I love New York bagels. Wow. Yeah, I know. Shots fired. I know. I know. I know. What is it? Like, is it something kind of? Well, the, they they have like an everything bagel with onions and garlic and uh, and just to me, everybody fights me on this. Even my wife is like, "You're crazy." Uh, all my friends think I'm wrong. But there's something about the everything New York bagel that surpasses any bagel I've ever had. So I will go. NYC. And I, and I, and I'm, I, I want it. I want it to be Montreal. It's too late, Daniel. Yeah, I want it to. <laughs> Daniel, brother, thank you so much for your Thanks time. Thanks so much today. for having me, Vince. So uh, good to see you, man. After so all these years. I know. Three years ago, we sat literally. We're, we're, I know. Not, I hope we don't. I hope we don't wait another three years. Three to, years. Hopefully, for next year, we can be back at it, drinking again. Yeah. Have a, a, a crazy time here at the festival. But thank you so much Thanks, for having brother. And uh, we'll chat soon, buddy. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Awesome. And thank you again. And shout out to Daniel Torado, Montreal born and bred. But really, like he said, he cut his teeth on the the no New York stand up scene and um, what the differences are there. And of course, Vince, we got to give a shout out to that goddamn Pomeranian. That oh you my God. Did you crowd. hear that thing? I think First next all, Vince, uh, just make sure when you're doing outside interviews in Montreal, just, you know, carry a. No, we're in the lobby. Place. We were in the lobby at the Hilton, and that thing would not shut up. But it was a great story uh, about him meeting Pablo Francisco and giving him stage time. He's been a regular at that club ever since. I mean, that's the pure definition of comics, helping up comics, the camaraderie between two comedians, you know, pulling somebody up when they're trying to make their way. It was a great story. But, yeah, that dog would not shut up. Oh, good Lord. That's festival life, baby. But of course, uh, shout out once again and huge thank you to Montreal's own rock star, Derek Seguin. Of course, the one and only Heidi Foss and Daniel Torado. And again, we look forward to seeing what Montreal looks like next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we're fully out of the woodwork and it'll be the huge, all-encompassing extravaganza that it normally is. But again, it was nice to uh, to actually see it come back, do sort of a soft reopen, and for you to be able to get back to Montreal to pound the pavement, Vince. Yeah, you know what I'm actually going to do? I'm going to edit these videos and put them in their entirety. The full interview, if you want to hear the full clip, they'll be on our social media page. But yeah, thank you again, Montreal. An awesome time. Can't wait to do it again next year. Shout out to Bruce Hills and everybody over at Just for Laughs, and thank you for coming back. And don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the very beginning on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week, baby. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx features Derek Sagan. I left today at 9.30 on a Saturday, tabarnak, the 401 traffic. How many people have jobs on Saturday? Why? Doesn't matter when you go. They have 74 lane of highway. They're always <laughs> stopped. And then they have the nerve to call half the lane express. <laughs> what shit, you liars. I don't know if express means something different in Torontonian than it's doing French. And then just to taunt you, they have a little sign on the side of the highway, right? Like, hey, tune in to AM 640 for a traffic update. We don't need a f- 
update. We know it stopped. Everybody stopped. Oh, look at that. There's nine more lanes over there. Stopped also.